Step into the world of decay, abandonment, and chaos. The story of an urban explorer starts here, at the beginning. Welcome to the podcast you've been looking for all along. This is No Tracers. Here, we take only photos. We leave only footprints. And remember, leave no trace. Welcome back to No Tracers. What's up, guys? My name is K, just the letter K. And I'm known as No Tracers. You can find me on Instagram at no.tracers or TikTok at No Tracers or YouTube at No Tracers Urbex. Those are the socials. Welcome to the show. The show is all about urban exploring. I have guests on every single Friday to share their crazy Urbex stories with you guys about their times that they've gone into abandoned buildings and the things they've experienced both inside those buildings, things that they've experienced getting into those buildings, getting out of those buildings, interactions with the police, bunch of crazy stuff on this show. This week, I'm speaking with a German explorer named Elle Trebel. You can find her on Instagram. Her username is down in the description. Super cool episode for you guys. Some crazy stuff has happened in her urbex, I I will say career for lack of a better term. She's been doing it since 2019 and I'm really excited for you guys to hear the craziness in this episode. There's an incident that her and her friend actually experienced while trying to get into an abandoned location where pretty much a zombie came and attacked them. You'll hear more in this episode, so stick around to the end. If you like the show, please hit the subscribe button. If you're new, especially if you're new, hit the subscribe button so you get notified every Friday when a new episode drops on your platform of your choosing. And hey, if you guys want to know a little bit more about me, well, here here's some fun facts. Uh, I have a photography book called No Tracers, an Urban Explorer's Diary. It is full of my photography from bandos as well as my stories of how I got in, how we uh, got out, our explorations, everything. So if you want a copy of that book or a t-shirt or a duffel bag to carry your props in, if you do like costume stuff in abandoned places, I made duffel bags for you guys. Go to justtheletterk.com slash no tracers. You can pick up some gear over there. Thank you guys for doing that and supporting the podcast. I also need to thank our partner on this podcast, Liquid Death Mountain Water. If you've never heard of Liquid Death, well, don't worry. I've got an ad for you in three, two, one. Welcome to a new kind of experience that is not for the faint of heart. A new kind of water straight from the Austrian Alps, packaged in beautifully rugged aluminum cans. So if you want to stand out, if you want to murder your thirst and give back to the planet. Give liquid death a try. The only thing that stands between you and the reaper is a can of liquid death. Not for the faint of heart. So if you want to get involved with liquid death and help save the planet, head to liquiddeath.com and use code just the letter K for 10% off your order or hit the link down in the description and it will automatically get that discount code applied for you. All right, without further ado, El Etrebel, please introduce yourself and how long you've been exploring to the No Tracers audience. Um, so, hi, my name is Iris. 
Um, I live in Germany, in, in the west of Germany, and uh, I started exploring exactly on 19th January 2019. So, um, yeah, it's my third anniversary of urbexing together with my best friend. Oh, that's so cool. And what got you into exploring in the first place? What made you get hooked on, on abandoned stuff? Um, it was, I've always been interested in photography and um, mainly having a focus on vintage cars and also industrial architecture. And we've got a lot of industrial architecture around because um, this region was famous for coal and steel. And uh, since all those coal mines closed down, they were really perfect for taking pictures. And then on Instagram, I saw a post of an old coal miner's neighborhood. Um, so the roofs were collapsing. There were trees growing out of the roofs. And somebody mentioned that uh, it would be torn down pretty soon. And uh, it's it had been abandoned for some years, but now, yeah, those were the final days. And um, my best friend just looked at me and she said, I would love to see it. It's only 20 minutes away. And uh, yeah, on a Saturday morning, we got in the car, went there and we were hooked. <laughs> That's amazing. And take me into that first exploration. Like, what did you guys see? What did you do while you were there? Did you take photos? Like, were you like automatically like, I got to bring my camera with me? Like, take, take me through that process of that first exploration. Uh, I had just gotten a camera for Christmas from my mom. And uh, that was actually the first occasion to use it. Uh, so we drove there and the night before uh, there was some heavy snow so when we arrived we saw that neighborhood uh, a huge metal fence around it and uh, everything covered in, in, in a nice layer of snow and uh, so we found an entrance in that fence Ah, really, we were scared shitless. It was <laughs> the first time all these no trespassing, danger signs. <clears throat> and so, um, yeah, we were really scared by our own footsteps on the snow. Um, but what we saw was so beautiful, like these old houses, gray brick, um, the snow in the background, the sky was icy blue, so in the background there's a power station and it was blowing out those thick clouds of white smoke. Mm. And um, yeah, we just stood there like, okay, what to do? And we started taking pics right away. Um, and at first we were really scared to get inside the buildings because you could see that the structure was not so good anymore. Like um, all the ceilings were coming down and we mostly stayed in uh, the ground floors and uh, looked at those old bathrooms. The furniture was out, so the houses were cleared, but um, yeah, it was just amazing to see. Um, I really fell in love that moment with decay. 
and uh, I think it was pretty clear right from that moment on we would do that more often I love that I love that you and your friend went and I love that you guys fell in love with immediately with this this passion that we have for decay and abandonment um, can you talk a little bit about the gear that you you use to go into these places and this could be like the type of shoes you wear, if you bring a certain backpack, flashlights, anything like that. For people that are just getting into the hobby, they often ask me, like, what should I bring when I go do this? Mm. So do you have any uh, advice for that? Yeah, the first thing is um, always wear long sleeves, wear long pants because of all, I don't know, berries, ivy clinging to you. Um uh, we both wear Doc Martens boots. Mm. And um, I think I had mine already 10 years before we started exploring. And they were still looking shiny and new. Um, after three years of exploring now, these boots are a mess, but um, they have these very thick soles. And so you can climb over glass or, or nails or whatever it is. Um, when it comes to electronics, so I use some um, uh, Canon EOS um, for taking the pictures. For short videos, I use an iPhone. I always carry a lot of uh, stuff like cables, chargers, power banks and the like. Mm. If the locations are a little bit bigger, um, make sure you carry enough water. Toilet paper. Yep. I think that's essential. Um, and um, flashlight. That's really... I, I still have to find my forever flashlight. Mm. I'm experimenting. Right now I have a Mac light, which is quite small. But uh, it's really... It, it doesn't give enough light for bigger locations. You, you're pretty lost then. <laughs> Um, yeah, that's the gear I carry. Um, I don't have a tripod. I don't want to carry that. Um, and I'm too fidgety for that. <laughs> I don't want to wait and adjust. And it's more a spur of the moment thing when I take pictures. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's it. That's the gear. Awesome. And uh, do you have any urban exploring injury stories? Have you ever been hurt while exploring an abandoned place? Nothing too serious. That's good. Um, scratches, bites, um, the usual thing. Once I had a bruised knee from, from a windowsill when we climbed through the window. Uh, the one thing I had is we were in this old asylum here in Germany. And the night before, it had been raining. And uh, just a month before we got there, there had been a, a huge fire. And it was one of these old black and white timbered houses. And um, the house had partly collapsed. So there was all the burnt wood lying around. And we had to climb over it to get inside. And I slipped. In the very last moment, I got to grab a branch of a tree. And so with my whole weight, I was hanging on that tree. 
<laughs> and um, yeah, then I stood up and everything was okay. And it was two or three days afterwards that my lower arm hurt so badly and it lasted about, I think, two months. So yeah, I had twisted it, but that's really not, not a big injury. <laughs> Yeah, just an annoying wear and tear from what we do. It's <laughs> just like the normal exactly. kind of stuff. But I mean, that's that's still a crazy story. Um, can you tell me about your scariest exploration? And this could be uh, an experience with something paranormal if you are into that kind of thing. Or this mm -hmm. could be like a run-in with other people. Pretty much anything, but scariest exploration. Okay, so... um. I might not be sensitive enough for the paranormal thing, so I never had anything like that. Um, not even the feeling that it might occur. Mm -hmm. But scary was, um, yeah. So we, we drove to the north of Germany, and there's a, a, a tiny port that is abandoned. Um, and uh, the location itself is really beautiful. I mean, it's open air, so there's nothing scary about it. Um, it's all overgrown, and it was at the end of summer, early fall, so the leaves were turning red. It looked pretty romantic, like those huge cranes and everything, and everything covered uh, with red leaves. And there was one air part of, of that area um, that was heavily overgrown. So it was really hard to walk, but there were the former storage buildings. So we really made our way through all um, the, the bushes and the ivy and everything that was growing there, moved on very slowly. And um, when we were right next to the building, um, there, were, there was a metal fence around that area. And suddenly we heard a very loud bang against that metal fence. And we looked in that direction and another bam. So someone was running uh, with full force against that fence. Whoa. And we stood there and we just looked at each other. And we looked around and we knew there's no chance to run away because it took us so long to get through all those bushes and everything. You can't run. And we just kept watching and suddenly we saw it was a very tall person wearing a dark hoodie and he broke through that fence and he suddenly came running. I mean, despite all those bushes and everything around him, he was really fast and he came running in our direction. And it was that we both, we put away phone and camera in our bags very slowly. We reached in our bags, we pulled out the bottle of gas we carry. And we were just standing there. It's one of those situations. You have two choices, you run away or you fight. And there was no chance to run. And we were just standing there staring, didn't say a word. And he came really, really fast in our direction. And it was a little bit like those zombies and not the walking dead zombies, but <laughs> those really, really fast guys. <laughs> <laughs> but you have, you stand no chance. 
I was standing there with the gas in our hand, and about two meters in front of us, we still couldn't see him clearly because of all the green. Um, he turned around on his heel, ran in the other direction, and bam, he crashed against that fence again. And we stood there just watching, and then he moved a little bit to the side, and we really, we broke out into hysterical laughter. It was a deer. <laughs> but really, we 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 talked about it. Like we we analyzed it. It was like a guy that was about one meter eighty-five, one meter ninety. He was wearing that dark hoodie. That was all you could see, and it was a deer. And we were both laughing. It was like we were scared of Bambi. <laughs> oh my god. And the mood totally changed because we were like, oh my God, he can't get out. And he was really throwing his whole body against that fence to find an exit. And we were like, oh my God, the deer, should we call the police or what should we do? And then he finally got out through the hole that we came in. And uh, yeah, that was, um, so now it's like really ridiculous. But that moment, it was so freaking scary. Wow. So that was the scariest thing we experienced. Yes, that's incredible. Like, what a story, you know? Like, you go in thinking that there's this like psychotic human just like really? running through a fence, and then it's a deer. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! It, it was so so absurd because uh. like everything that's rushing through your head, it's like. It, okay, it's some kind of drug person, maybe on meth yeah. or so. Why yeah. is he so fast? And why is he so strong that he breaks the metal fence? Amazing. Uh, wow. Yeah, it was Bambi. <laughs> it was Bambi the whole time. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so now that we've heard your scariest exploration experience, can you tell me about the most dangerous one, like your riskiest experience? Like, you know, we've had people like climb onto roofs and like do all kinds of crazy stuff that they've talked about on the show. So for you, what was your most dangerous exploration? Um, we more or less try to avoid really dangerous situation that we cannot, that we cannot calculate, you know? Mm. Uh, I think we've all been in the upper floors of building even though we saw that like below the ceilings were coming down. So you check where are the holes and then you try to walk close to the walls. Um, those, I think that is daily business for explorers. Um, really dangerous, no, I don't think we have we have any dramatic stories of of things we shouldn't have done. Mm. Gotcha. We're quite cautious. Hey, that's I, I respect that a lot. You know, I've done a couple sketchy things here and there that I probably like looking back shouldn't have done. But th I, I like that you err on the side of caution when it comes to this stuff. It's just a safer way to explore. Um, what about your favorite exploration? Do you have one that stands out among the rest? Um, I'm, I'm madly in love with, um, with private homes. Mm. 
mm. with those old farmhouses and so on. We we spend a lot of time uh, exploring in Belgium, where you find way more completely untouched abandoned homes. And um, if I have to pick a favorite, it would be. Uh, it's called here in Europe the uh, Maison Sergent. So it's um, the house of the sergeant. And it's a little family home in, in, in a very small Belgian town. And uh, you enter through the garden and then there's like, a sh like uh, an old barn. And from there you get in the house. And it is full of personal things. It's the furniture, it's photo albums, um, and you you found photo albums with, with photos from like the 1920s when women were wearing those flapper dresses. <laughs> um, the people were very religious, so there were crucifixes everywhere. Um, you even found like uh, the ladies underwear, those corsets and so on. And uh, it seemed that uh, the family had three children because there were three smaller bedrooms. And everything in this house gave you the vibe that the people were happy. Um, you, you found invitation letters for parties, for dinner parties. Um, you found a lot of, we found a lot of letters, correspondence with friends and so on. And uh, even though it was, it, it was an abandoned place and uh, yes, it's a little bit scary to walk there and, and, and to, to look into drawers and everything. Um, but everything about this house told you um, that this was a life well lived. Um, so he was not only a sergeant in the Belgian army, but he came from a military family because there were also pictures of what seemed like his father and his grandfather in a uniform. And it was also extremely warm. I mean, like usually when you get into a bando, it's always cold, even if it's hot right. outside. The houses are cold, and um, there it was just warm. It was in a way welcoming, and um, we could then see from from the documents that his wife died um, in the late eighties, and there was. Um, a small bed standing downstairs in the living room and so it seemed like he had fallen ill later when he was old and we found some x-rays so he must have had some kind of tumor um, and this house gave you a, a family chronic from like 1800 to just closely before 2000, the year 2000. So it gave you uh, the history of a family, a very personal insight into the family history uh, for 200 years almost. Wow. And that was 
so touching. It was incredibly touching. That is so special. Like it's a very rare thing for, you know, anybody to have that much family history, but to find something like that in a bando, like that's absolutely magnificent. Like should be in a museum kind of thing, you know? Absolutely. Oh, what a magical and, moment. Yeah. And uh, I usually we never take things well, almost, <laughs> but, sure. but but no, we don't take things. But that photo album with like these pictures from uh, a picture of his father in World War One with his um, fellow soldiers, uh, a picture of him in World War Two with his fellow soldiers, these women in flapper dresses, those cute little chubby babies <laughs> in those white dresses from I don't know when the early days of photography um, it all gave you so much and I, I really for for some seconds I was so tempted to take that album with me because I felt I don't want anyone to, to tear it apart, to vandalize it. But no, I left it there. I took a lot of photos of that album and videos. But yeah, for a second, I was very tempted. Wow. Yeah, that's amazing. Like, I, I, I would have, you know, I would be tempted as well. Oh, sorry, my phone just fell. Uh, yeah, I'd be totally tempted as well to, you know, you know, acquire something like that and hold on to it, you know, and you know, I, I know a couple people take things. I mean, I've taken things before, you know, I'm sure you have as well. We all, you know, there's sometimes just that moment where you're like this, I need, I need this, you know, like I need to remember this yeah. moment or this thing. And, you know, I have a giant, I'm a big Dr. Pepper fan, the soda. So, uh, -huh. uh I was in a elementary school in West Virginia here in, in the States and, uh, we were exploring the gymnasium and there was a giant Dr. Pepper sign. And this place has been shut since the 1920s. And I was like, listen, this, this is coming home with me. Like, I, I'm sorry. You know, I'm sorry. So I like apologized to like the, the gods of Urbex. And I was like, I'm going to take this. So now it's in my kitchen and I love it. And it, it's just oh, like a reminder nice. of that day, that story, that experience. And I can share that with people, you know, and yeah. One day I have a goal of opening up a museum for urban exploring and, you know, having people donate the things that they, you know, have kind of taken from these places that and like photos from these places so that we can mm -hmm. continue to share these stories. Um, but for you, uh, what do you do when you're not exploring abandoned places? Like what is your normal everyday life like? Um, my normal everyday life is um, I'm a translator and interpreter. Uh, I'm a freelancer. I work for different companies. I, I teach languages. I make translations, sometimes really boring things like, uh, I don't know, um, manuals or, or technical descriptions. Mm -hmm. um, um, when I don't work, I, I, I really love traveling. Um, I've been to, to so many places, to so many wonderful places. And looking back, I think if I had only been into exploring back then, I was in Japan, I was in Iceland, I was in all those places that I want to see for exploring. I've been there on vacation or I've been there on business. <laughs> I had no idea that there's a totally different world in these countries for me to explore. Yeah. yeah. 
Absolutely. So that's what I do. Spend a lot of time with my best friend. I mean, we always uh, go exploring together, always. Um, but we also love traveling when there's no COVID stopping us <laughs> yep, from it. Yep. Um, we love going to museums and uh, we still have that passion for um, classic cars, for vintage cars. Mm -hmm. So um, and fine weather, there are always some some meetups around uh, in this area where where people show their cars, and we go there to take pictures. Um, yeah, that's my life. Gotcha. And uh, for you, do you have any bucket list places that you're dying to visit, as far as uh, urban exploring goes? Yeah, um, I think like like everyone else. I want to go to Chernobyl, mm -hmm. of course. Um, I was so freaking mad. I just found out that three of those SkyTech helicopters that were in Chernobyl, they were now three months in Belgium, in Antwerp, in, in oh. the port. Uh, and uh, it was possible to to see them and to take pictures of them. I was so mad. I found it out last week, and then the helicopters were gone. So Chernobyl is really high on my bucket list, as well as, uh, of course, Japan. Yes. And um, I also like to go to, back to, to Iceland for exploring because the combination of abandoned houses and this this landscape that simply kills you because it's so massive and beautiful and, and takes your breath away, I think that's that's a whole new level of urbex, the combination mm -hmm. of nature and bandos and uh, maybe also Scandinavia. I love those Nordic explorers. Um, they have some beautiful pictures. Those yeah. are on my bucket list, yeah. Amazing. And if you could live in one place that you've explored for an entire week, which place would it be? Oh, that's a tough one. Um, it's really tough because the places that made me most curious were rather small. So I think a week would be definitely too much. I mean, staying one night and having enough time to explore would be okay, but a week would be too much. And the bigger ones like asylums, sanitariums, and so on, or um, some monasteries we've seen, um, I don't think I... Yeah, you would really need a week to to see all the rooms, all the all the facilities, but they are usually empty, so there's not much to see anymore. So I think I still have to find that place. Absolutely, I haven't met and, it yet. <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, um, so let's talk about social media for a second. Uh, what has that mm -hmm. done for you as a creator? Have you been able to connect with other explorers uh, through social media? And how did you come up with your username? Okay, so um, social media, I'm uh, only on Instagram. I don't have a Facebook account. Uh, I'm only on Instagram. 
and I just uh, made a, a TikTok account, um, but just to reserve my name. Uh, <laughs> I'm not really using it. Um, I think Instagram is great as a source of inspiration to see how, what kind of view, what kind of perspective have other explorers on bandos. So even though you see sometimes the same location in your feed three or four times, you always, it's a different angle, some different details. I love that very much. It's also a good source for, for like, ah, oh, that looks good. I want to see it. And then doing research, trying to find it. Um, I connected with some people. Um, we, uh, uh, I'm in, in, in a WhatsApp group with uh, some people from Germany. Um, like it's only 10 people or so. We are very closely knit. And there's one Dutch lady, Edith. Um, she's she's a, a bando maniac. I think every weekend, two or three days, she spends exploring. And um, it really, yeah, it sparks curiosity. Social media sparks, of course, curiosity. Um, it, it keeps the whole thing going. You don't get the uh, been there, done that feeling. And, but it's always, oh, that looks good. And yeah, I could try this one. Um, for me personally, it drives me further. And my name, uh, we were in, in this huge sanatorium in, in um, Belgium. It's called Sanatorium du Basile. It's really a big, a, a huge Tudor style house. Um, and um, we entered one room that was full of graffiti. And uh, on, one, on one wall, someone had sprayed Elle et Rebelle. So it's French for she's rebellious. And I took a photo of that. My best friend looked at me and she said, that is so you. <laughs> and so I have my name. <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah. I love it. I love it. So my last question for you is, what is something you know now that you wish you knew when you started exploring? Um... Never look into toilet bowls, never open fridges. <laughs> no, but seriously, um, not to rush things, just to take time. Um, don't get into a bando and start snapping right away. And you always have this feeling, oh, maybe the next room, there's someone, there's something, there's... Mm. Um, but really take your time to go from one room to the next and just check the whole place, get a feeling for it, and then go back to the first room or to the place where you entered and then start taking your photos because it makes you feel way more at ease when you know 
what to expect. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and if people want to keep following your journey, just drop your social media one more time. What's your Instagram for everybody? My Instagram is L at Rebel. Yeah. All right, guys, that was my episode with Elette Rebel. If you want to check out her stuff on Instagram, I've put her username, well, her uh, URL down in the description of this episode. Thank you guys so much for checking out this episode of No Tracers, the podcast. If you enjoyed it, please do me a favor and leave a rating and feedback, and I'll send you a signed photo print as a way of saying thank you. Pick up a copy of No Tracers, an Urban Explorer's Diary, and I will talk to you next week for another episode. If you want to come on the podcast, please shoot me a DM at no.tracers on Instagram or no tracers on TikTok, and we'll get you on the schedule. Super looking forward to having you, and come back next week for another one. Stay strong, keep enduring, go out, go explore something, and remember, leave no trace.